Gar and I, as you know, as we sit here together and, and talk about this, we, we understand accountability and we are accountable for what this team did this year. We don't run away from it. We accept it. Uh, that's that's on us. Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. For me to be here in the NBA organization, such a historic organization that Chicago Bulls, so it's just a dream come true for me. Live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. This is going to be a process. It doesn't, you'll snap your fingers and it all happens at once, but um, that's the plan moving forward. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm Jordan Malley along with Matt Peck, live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com, and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel. Live on Dash Radio, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. Follow us on social media, Twitter, at Locked on Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash locked on shy bulls. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere you find podcasts, you'll find us. Make sure to follow the Locked On Podcast Network on Facebook and Twitter as well. So we had a surprise guest pop up for us to, on today's show, and this was inter- it was an entertaining conversation as we're talking to you right now. So we wa- we don't want to take up too much of your time. We want you to hear all the full-length conversation with ESPN's Nick Ferdell, who joined us for an extensive conversation on a lot of topics that we've been talking about on the show here that have been relevant in Bulls conversation. But Matt, this was a great guest, and I thought this interview was awesome. Yeah, I always enjoy chatting with Nick. I've had the pleasure of you know doing interviews with him a handful of times since I've really started to cover the Bulls over the last couple of years, and uh, he's just a really fun guy to talk to. I know, like, I feel like in Bulls Nation, there are people that love Nick and people that hate Nick, and you know, may- people that hate him for whatever reason. They have like, oh, they think he's a homer towards the organization, or they think he sugarcoats things, or they think he doesn't know what he's talking. No, I'm sorry, like the dude is a pro. Uh, you know, cover the Bulls for a lot of years, and he has a more expansive role. Like he's not primarily singularly on the Bulls beat this season. He's you know he spent some time in Minnesota with the Timber Bulls. He's doing some other things for, uh, you know, for the mothership. I mean, he's just so much fun to talk to. Whether it's Bulls basketball or basketball in general, it's candid. You know him too. You've probably heard him on ESPN One Thousand, or even seen him on somewhere on ESPN before. Um, when they're doing local coverage or even when they're doing national coverage, he was doing some stuff with the Golden State Warriors like you talked about with Minnesota. So let's, without further ado, let's jump right into it. So here's our interview with ESPN's Nick Friedel. Sriracha! Sriracha! He's hot! Right now, we're very pleased to welcome two Locked On Bulls for the first time with Jordan and I as host, but he made an appearance back when Cody and Sean were running things. He is Nick Friedel. You know him. You love him. He covers the Bulls and the NBA for ESPN.com, ESPN 1000, and we are very pleased to have him with us. Nick, what is going on, buddy? How were the holidays? Uh, it was uh, it was quite uh, quite a trip down memory lane, guys, to be sitting in a gym on, on UCLA's campus and watching Tibbs walk into a Christmas morning shoot-around at 9.30. <laughs> <laughs> and then seeing the look on Taj and Jimmy's face. I mean, it was like the good old days. So the holidays were good. Uh, it was good to be in L.A. for a couple of days getting out of this cold. But, uh, you know, it is what it is here in Chicago. And, uh, you know, we all just got to keep on trucking. Yeah. Speaking of keep on trucking, I enjoyed your column from a few days ago about 
where the Bulls are after this very odd start to the season that, you know, the three and 20 start the 10 game losing streak, then winning 10 of 12. And now this recent slide uh, kind of collapsing again in the fourth quarter and their loss to the Raptors. Are, are you taking any stock into this conspiracy theory going on that maybe Hoiberg and his bosses are kind of trying to steer the ship back towards the tank? Some people wondering, like, why wasn't Nico on the floor at the end of that uh, recent loss to Portland? I mean, is this just the ups and downs of a young, inexperienced team, or do you think maybe they're trying to correct themselves and, and not win too many games? Yeah, well, you know, I think it goes back to everybody was freaking out. All, well, I shouldn't say everybody. The people that wanted the tank were freaking out. Yours truly. I was right, freaking out. When, when they're <laughs> winning all these games, but in the sense of a course correction, I never thought the Bulls were as bad as 3-20, and 20, and I never thought they were as good as winning seven in a row and and 10 of 12 and that stretch they got on. So, yeah, I think in, in a lot of ways it's just a team that's trying to figure it out, and I understand the conspiracy theories. I mean, why would Fred leave his best player <laughs> on the bench in that Portland game for the last 12 minutes, including overtime? It just doesn't make all that much sense. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, do I think that the front office is telling Fred in no uncertain terms, you got to tank games, you got to lose? No. And I think Fred, having been around him now for a few years, is too competitive of a guy to say, yeah, I'm just going to lay down. I'm going to tell these guys to just kind of roll over down the stretch. Uh, I just don't believe that to be the case. Although I would also say this, guys. Garm Packs know full well what's on the line here this season. They have all along. I think they've been very happy with the development they've seen in a lot of areas, but let's let's not twist the facts here. The facts were this roster was built this year to lose a lot uh, and to be towards the top of that draft lottery in a few months. So uh, there are a lot of layers, there are a lot of factors in place, but no, I don't, I don't believe that Fred and Garam Packs all sat in a room and and started saying, "Yep, you gotta." You guys just lose a ton of games now that you've won a few in a row. And so that's where I'm at, too. I always thought at the beginning of the season, I even told Matt this, that I didn't think this Bulls roster was bad enough to be a, a bottom three team. And while they went up three and 20 to start the season, Nico coming back being healthy, and then you add Levine to that mix, and then everybody else that's been playing decent and uh, an ascension from Chris Dunn, early looks from Lowry Markinen. So that I feel like January is an important month for the Bulls. And so in terms of understanding what direction they're trying to take in the, with this season, like we said at the start of the season, this roster was built to lose. They want to get the most ping pong balls in the NBA draft. So do you think, do you think Gar Foreman and John Paxson have sort of shifted gears or at least taken a step back to reevaluate what's going on and maybe the moves that they want to make forward? And there is, is there going to be a defining moment whether it's trading Nico and Robin away or standing pat at the trade deadline, is there going to be more of a defining moment come the end of January or up into the trade deadline? Yeah, I, I don't think uh, they're going to be standing pat. <laughs> I mean, I know I, I know there's not. a faction of the fan base out there that loves the fact that they've been winning some games and loves the fact that they've been developing some of these younger guys. And you, you mentioned uh, certainly Dunn and Markinen, but uh, again, Garm Packs know the long-term view of things. And however angry fans have gotten at the front office over time, it's understandable given some of the moves, but uh, they're still there, and they're going to do what they feel is best 
for the long-term health of the organization. And what that means, as I interpret it, uh, certainly in the next few weeks, is that Nico's probably gone uh, and, and Lopez is probably gone. Uh, and, you know, I, I, would, I would go this far, guys. The only people I would keep if I were sitting in that chair, if I'm going to PAX right now, would be Dunn and Markin and, and Levine and, and maybe Nawaba, although David Nawaba being some, uh, some guy who you, you can't move uh, if the right deal came into place, uh, he, he's not that important. So uh, anybody else uh, is, is up there at least for the talking aspect of, of what goes on towards this deadline. But, no, I, I don't think there's any chance that they go, oh, well, we're playing better. And, and Fred is getting these guys to believe, so let's just not make any moves and, and see what happens in the future. They want to be towards the top of that draft lottery, and they know what they have to do in order to make sure that happens. Because for as good as Levine may be when he comes back, I don't even think if Levine was the same player instantly that he was in Minnesota, plus Dunn and Markinen, I don't think that's enough with the group they have right now to to think that they're going to go on some stretch uh, like they did in the last couple months. So, again, there, there's a lot of decisions to be made, but I would be totally shocked uh, if they weren't active uh, around the deadline here. We're chatting with Nick Friedle of ESPN here on Locked On Bulls. Follow him on Twitter at Nick Friedle. Nick, we're talking about these moves that we're expecting the Bulls front office to make as we approach that February 8th deadline. Specifically, Nico Miritich, perhaps Robin Lopez is another option. But with Nico, it's interesting. I feel like for a while to begin this season and even back in training camp, there was that crazy story of there was an ultimatum given to the Bulls by Nico's camp saying it's him or me after the Bobby Portis fight. And now he and Portis, at least on the court, seem to be getting along fine. They're playing well together. And there's that little detail that I feel like people are forgetting that Nico still does have the option to veto a trade because of the way his contract is written. Do you think he might at this point, because he has said all along he would prefer to stay in Chicago, he and his family are happy here. Is that still a factor that the Bulls front office needs to be concerned about? Or do you think depending on the team they might strike up a deal with, Nico would be open to a fresh start. Yeah, I, having talked to Nico about this recently, because he always has, he's always said he loves Chicago, uh, his family is very comfortable here. Just reading between the lines, guys, I don't think Nico's standing in the way of any deal. Uh, and I just read a, a piece from uh, Danny LaRue. I know KC uh, discussed this as well. Uh, there, there's a loophole that if the Bulls pick up that option uh, in, in for next year, that that kind of eliminates the Nico saying, you know, I'm not going here or there. I believe Nico is open to a fresh start somewhere. I think he knows full well the business side of of what's going on, and that there's a good chance that they're going to come to him with uh, a, a deal in place. Uh, and so, I don't think he is hell-bent on staying in Chicago the way he might have been a couple years ago. Uh, I think the best thing for the Bulls and for Nico is that Nico came back after the craziness of the last few months, and he played his butt off, and he showed uh, that he can be that that high-level NBA player uh, more consistently than he did in uh, the first three years there. Now, having watched Nico play... Uh, throughout his time in Chicago, 
am I buying that all of a sudden this is how he's going to be night in, night out, every night? No, I I don't think that uh, to be the case right now. But certainly he upped his value to a point where there there absolutely will be teams that will call and show interest. It's just a matter of what the Bulls will be able to get back in place uh, for a deal involving Nico and potentially Lopez or whomever else they need to throw in to make it happen. So talking about, real quick, talking about Nico Miritich and Robin Lopez, what do you think their value is on the trade market if the Bulls were out there talking or as we get approach the deadline in February? Um, in terms of more of Nico Miritich, do you think he could warrant some type of back end of the first round sort of pick or um, something of value that the Bulls could use right away or see in a future asset? What do you see in his stock around the NBA? Because like you said, uh, the month of December, him playing well, you know, that doesn't speak to the whole body of work. And I'm sure NBA teams that are interested in him have, have been watching him over the stretch that he's played in the NBA. So what do you think his his ultimate stock is right now if teams are looking at him and trying to acquire him? Yeah, I mean, it's it's literally a multi-million dollar question there. <laughs> and, and it's a good one. I'm just not sure what the answer is. I don't think the Bulls are sure uh, what it is either. I think the hope is some kind of late first-round pick. That would that would make sense for the Bulls. Uh, Nico gets a fresh start somewhere. Robin Lopez, who's also on a a cap friendlier deal, would would be able to to go elsewhere and have some success. I just don't know if it's a realistic possibility. Uh, and I I would think that that was would be something that the Bulls would uh, hold out for. Uh, but guys, this is this is part of the the catch twenty two that they're in. We can sit here all day and go, oh well, you know, I'd I'd wait for a late first round pick. Well, what happens if uh, if a late first round pick or a few second round picks, whatever it is, what happens if that specific deal isn't on the table? If you're the Bulls, are you saying, oh well, you know, now we're just gonna we're gonna just stay with Nico and Robin? I I don't think that again, I don't think that to be the case. I think Garum packs. Uh, have to have an idea of what's out there. They'll continue working the phones as any front office would uh, the next couple weeks. But if it's me, you have to make the deal. You take the best deal you possibly can make and you pull the trigger because you can't afford in this year where all the experts agree that it's uh, a talent-heavy draft at the top, you can't afford to be the eighth or ninth pick and just hope that, oh, well, you know, there, we landed another Markkanen or or somebody of that ilk in that uh, in that range again. You have to make sure that you do what you can to get to the top or near the top of that lottery. And in order to do that, if you're the Bulls right now in the here and now, that means trading Nico and Robin Lopez uh, and getting whatever the best return is you can. As you're talking about you know, trading away these pieces to try to get yourself back in the mix of landing one of those top lottery picks. Obviously, one of the consequences of that is asking more from the young guys who are going to be part of this core that the front office is trying to build. And at the start of the season, as far as Bulls fans watching, you know, it was tough, ugly basketball to watch, but Lowry Markkinen was was the big show with his hot start to the season. And over the past month or so, it's really been the emergence of Chris Dunn. I know he he had a rough night against Toronto, but it seems like there are more good nights than rough nights, and it's trending in the right direction. Nick, from what you've seen from Dunn this season and anything that you did as far as looking at him coming in the 2016 draft, people were so high on him coming out of Providence, and then kind of 
his rookie season with Minnesota was labeled a bust. And there's the the Tom Thibodeau factor of not playing his rookies. Maybe he just didn't get the opportunity. But are are you seeing more and more of a high ceiling with Chris Dunn than perhaps the pessimistic initial reactions when Bulls fans heard about that Butler trade on draft night? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I was in a very small minority, guys, on draft night. I actually thought the Bulls did pretty well in that deal. Uh, and I'd argue right now, and I know Jimmy has been playing great uh, in Minnesota, especially in the last month and a half or so, but I'd argue right now that the Bulls won the deal. And they have already won it, in large part because Markkanen is a better all-around player than he was given credit for, and has shown that. Mm-hmm. But because Dunn has been uh, a much better point guard than he was able to show in his rookie year. And am I ready to say right now that Dunn is the future and he's the guy that the Bulls should build around at that position? No, because I still think there are uh, some flaws in his game with the turnovers and that jump shot just still isn't very consistent. Uh, but you've got two guys uh, who who are very solid on top of the fact that Zach Levine, if he comes back close to what he was in Minneapolis in the East, I mean, in the next couple of years, he may be able to push uh, to make an all-star berth if he can play defense better than he showed in Minnesota. So uh, uh, that deal that fans just crush them for uh, is really going to turn out in the Bulls' favor, and it's going to look even worse for Minnesota and Tibbs if Jimmy decides to go elsewhere in a year and a half. And uh, I'm actually putting together uh, a story now, but Minnesota's cap space, or lack thereof, their cap issues are major uh, moving forward. Uh, which I think kind of got lost in the shuffle over the summer. But either way, uh, I think with Dunn, he's got to continue to improve his decision-making. He's got to continue to improve that jump shot that has gotten better over the last six weeks or so. Uh, But the other thing to consider is if you're the Bulls and you do land in that eighth or ninth spot uh, going into the draft lottery or somewhere out of the top four, would Dunn be a piece that you'd consider uh, plugging into some kind of deal to move up? I mean, are are they sold on him as as the future point guard uh, as well? And, and that's something that I don't think, again, I don't think there's a clear-cut answer on right now, but it's something else that you've got to consider if you're them uh, because uh, there is a lot of talent, again, in the top of this draft and are you sold that Dunn's going to be the guy in a point card driven league right now, uh, or at least a shooting league, that's going to get you to where you need to be? And, and that's something that will work itself out over the second half of the season there. So i got to ask something else about Chris Dunn. So what I said about Zach Levine, obviously we haven't seen him on the court yet in a Bulls uniform, but some of the things that I've, been, I've just read from Zach Levine, just watching his interviews, being a very likable guy, in talking about how he wants to be in Chicago and sort of wants to be that leader, that next step, that person that that can take over and maybe change the culture. And that's something that I feel like the front office put in forefront after they made the deal for Butler over the summer, trying to come in and create that new culture. And over, I feel like over the last four or five, maybe even six weeks, the more confidence Chris Dunn has gotten on the court, I think that's, it, I feel like just it's translated um, to some of the things that he said, and he talked about how he wants to become the guy that, that shoots late in games. Can you speak on Chris Dunn's importance of his leadership and maybe the direction that he has 
off the court and sometimes in that locker room? And how can that be combined with maybe the good things that we've seen from Levine in terms of leadership and sort of that duo of changing just the entire culture of what the Bulls locker room has been, which across the league, it's been not very good so far. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that the organization is banking on because that was, as much as everybody loved Jimmy and as much as he produced on the floor, look, last year it was Jimmy and Dwayne on on one side and then everybody else on the other. And one of the biggest knocks on Jimmy and one of the things that he's discussed uh, now that he's gotten to Minnesota was that uh, he just didn't think the, the younger players within this Bulls group uh, as a collective unit worked as hard as they they needed to. They weren't in the gym all the time like he was. And, you know, going back for a second in the last season, that's what pissed off so many of the younger guys. Uh, last year wasn't so much Jimmy because no matter what he said or did, they respected his work ethic. Uh, if you recall, when Wade ripped everybody, and so he wasn't sure if the younger guys cared. <laughs> they looked at Wade and they were like, Did you, you watch Dwayne Wade play quote unquote defense at all right, last season? Like, I mean, you barely practiced. Like, uh, so. Uh, so it's an interesting it's an interesting discussion because Jimmy always wanted to be the guy, and on the floor Jimmy was the guy, but in the locker room, and I think he'd even admit this, sometimes he just wasn't sure how to be that leader, that focal point. Uh, so now they move Jimmy, and Wade's obviously gone, Rondo's gone, and so to to the point about Dunn, I, yeah, I mean it's going to be interesting to see. He was. He was always a little older coming out of Providence. He struggled in his first year. I don't think he has the clout right now internally uh, to be that that uh, that face of the the team guy. And, and I don't even know if uh, Levine, as good as he is, has the talent over time to be that number one guy on the team the Bulls uh, would like to build in the future. But there's no question that the culture – that, that was so bad in that locker room the last few years. It is different, uh, and it's been turned over to to guys like Dunn, and Levine's been around, and he's very well liked by uh, his teammates and a lot of people within the organization. So it's something to keep an eye on for sure, but I don't think that there's a clear-cut answer right now as to, all right, well, Dunn's the new leader or Levine's the new leader. Uh, I think it's, it's kind of by committee at the moment, and that's what will make – it even more intriguing if, in fact, Nico and Robin Lopez end up elsewhere because they are that veteran presence that has stabilized this younger group. And if they go, uh, and and you know Justin Holiday, he may go uh, as well. If that core group goes of at least older guys, uh, then they're going to have to get an answer uh, somewhere for for that leadership from some other place. I mean, Nick, we're talking about leadership within the Bulls organization right now and creating that strong, positive culture that Gar Foreman and Paxson keep talking about. A name we haven't really mentioned yet is the head coach, Fred Hoiberg. And I'm very curious. I mean, there, there's been a lot of talk about, well, Fred didn't have the the right pieces to run what he wants to run through his first two seasons, the end of the Tibbs era with the, the remainder of Joe Keem and D. Rose. And then even last season, the kind of impromptu 180 of younger and more athletic to sign Wade and Rondo and bring them in with Butler and the three alphas. And now that he finally has perhaps a roster more conducive to what he wants to do, this is the first year that we can really judge him as a coach at the NBA level. I had my 
skepticism when the Bulls made this hire. I have always jokingly referred to him as Ned Flanders. I just like it better than the mayor. But I just have always seen him as kind of a pushover yes man for the front office and specifically Gar Foreman with that Iowa State connection that drives Bulls fans crazy. But we have started to see glimpses of Fred Hoiberg as successful NBA coach. He's in year three of a five-year deal. What is your take on the job Fred has done, both commanding the Bulls locker room and operating as the coach on the sideline in-game thus far this season? Yeah, I think Fred deserves a lot more credit uh, than he's been given, uh, at least locally, guys, because uh, for the first time, and you mentioned it, for the first time in three years, Fred actually has players to fit the system he wants. And the flip side always to the argument of, oh, well, Fred finally has the players, is as a coach, especially in the NBA, you are judged by the players that you have, and you have to make the best out of those situations. And Fred did not do that in his first two years. Uh, forget even on-the-floor stuff. Uh, you know, I, I just don't think that Fred had the presence or had developed the presence he needed, uh, especially with veterans on the last couple teams. He, he just uh, he, he didn't have that, uh, that clout uh, that coaches need to, to get into guys or at least have them uh, respect you on a regular basis. So this ties back into the, the discussion about cleaning out the culture and allowing new guys uh, like Dunn and, and Levine to be uh, more of a, a vocal presence in that locker room. But uh, Fred's offensive systems that we all heard about when he got hired, the pace and space and running up and down the floor and shooting threes, they're finally coming to fruition. I would couch everything, though, by saying that, while uh, Fred, I don't believe, is going anywhere, uh, certainly not this year, and I would think you get another year going into next year. Once the Bulls do make these deals that I and a lot of other people think they're going to make, well, then I don't think you can judge Fred uh, on uh, you know the wins and losses again. You can judge Fred on are they continuing to play hard and are the younger guys continuing develop, to develop. Now next year, that's where it's really going to be fascinating with Fred uh, in his development, because assuming nothing bad happens, you're going to have a healthy Levine coming back. Uh, you're going to have some kind of high pick, and maybe you, you land somebody in free agency because the Bulls have cap space that a lot of other teams uh, don't going into the summer. So that's where the really hard evaluation is going to be. What has he learned? What has he been able to accomplish? I mean, I think he has shown enough in, in glimpses to think that uh, you know, maybe he, he has gotten better, uh, and maybe he can uh, be what the Bulls wanted him to be a couple years ago. But I'm not ready to say after a nice little stretch here for a few weeks that Fred's turned it all around and Fred is the coach the Bulls need moving forward. I think there are still a lot of question marks. Uh, and the reality is I don't think those questions are going to get answered again until next season uh, once the roster becomes fuller and takes more shape. To wrap things up, I got to ask you a last final question here. So, the Bulls Twitter put out a video of Nico Miritich uh, bringing people over to his house to eat uh, different types of food. And the most preposterous thing I ever saw, and it just blows my mind that anybody would put this combination together, but he uses Oreos and instead of milk, he uses orange juice. And he was also serving up jelly and mayo sandwiches. So, I got to parlay this to you. 
what's if you can recall being in locker rooms all around the country um, more closely with the Bulls. Can you ever recall something that a player was eating either pregame or postgame that was like the most disgusting combination you could ever think of, whether it is in the Bulls locker room or somewhere else around the NBA? No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I'm watching that video last night. I'm going, oh, Nico, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, mayonnaise and jelly and then Oreos with orange. I, and, and the best part is when you watch this video that the Bulls put out, the other players are going, oh, <laughs> They're just disgusted by the whole thing. So, hey, to each their own. If it works for Nico, good for him. But I, I can't think of anything close uh, that that I've seen uh, that would that re- would relate to that. And I'd also add, guys, I've never seen Nico actually eat any of this stuff in the locker room prior to a game. I think I think he was even kind of a little <laughs> taken aback at just how much this uh, this caught. Uh, on online last night on Twitter and people in the arena going, so uh, I, I'm curious to see if there's another episode of Nico's Kitchen coming <laughs> at some point. Well, well, I mean, they got that. They got late night snacks with Henry. I feel like there's this whole food motif that's sweeping pull social media. But Nick, you said to each their own. So final question, just so Bulls Nation gets a little bit of a better understanding of who Nick Friedel is when he's not in the spotlight. Are there any weird food combinations that you really like that other people would probably think are gross? Man, I am the most simplistic eater you probably ever met in your life. I eat cheeseburgers. I eat peanut butter and jelly, the occasional Caesar salad, uh, and a, a good steak from, uh, from Joe's or Ditka's or Mastro's, but that's about it. I do not have the uh, the healthiest diet of all time, and I am not mixing and matching any kind of craziness. I mean, my my dinner the other night was Pringles, uh, and what else did I have in the fridge there? I, I had like uh, Honey Nut Cheerios, and the only reason <laughs> that, is, that that was out that, of necessity. That is a pretty strange dinner, Nick. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that was out of necessity because that was the only thing I had in my kitchen because I hadn't been at home in so long, so... Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not going out of my way to uh, to eat like carrots and mayonnaise. So I mean, <laughs> I, I have nothing that uh, that would make you go, what what you know, what is he doing, Nico style? But hey, yeah, you know, Nico <laughs> Nico does his thing and I do mine. So uh, it's all part of the deal, I guess, in this weird NBA life that we're all in. Absolutely, you know, you never know what you're going to grab and eat on the go when you're when you're bouncing all around the country covering NBA teams. Um, speaking of which, we'll let you go. We know you are constantly busy, constantly on the go, but we do very much appreciate the time. He's Nick Friedel. He covers the Bulls and the NBA for ESPN. Follow him on Twitter at Nick Friedel. Nick, hopefully we can make time to do this again sometime soon. All right, you got it. Good being with you guys. Well, that's going to about do it here on Locked on Bulls. Remember, you can find us on Dash Radio, dashradio.com, the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel. Live on Dash Radio Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked on Shy Bulls. Subscribe to the show. Give us a rating, a five-star rating. We would love that from you. Takes literally 15 seconds. Any of the podcast hosts that you use iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you find podcasts. Go give us a five-star review. Give us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing here. 
Make sure to follow the Locked On Podcast Network on Facebook and Twitter as well. We want to thank once again Nick Friedel from ESPN and ESPN.com and ESPN 1000 for joining us for that awesome Bulls conversation. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you into the weekend for the Bulls conversation. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Locked On Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked On Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com, part of FanRag Sports.